0: limited time offer new customers only available on select networks 5g not available everywhere one device per line tax excluded additional restrictions apply see your local boost mobile store for details i've confronted hundreds of men over two decades i have been in television for 24 years i just came to get something to eat and i have very seldom been at a loss for words I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, you're right no, you're right. no, you're
1: right. It's, it's stupid. stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing.
0: Men from all walks of life a doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there.
1: Do you know I'm in trouble, and I know it.
0: I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Pizza we have tonight. I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny.
1: What's wrong with
0: that? You ask if she does anal.
1: It's a question. Question.
0: Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. In January 2006, we did the very first investigation where law enforcement was involved. It was in Riverside County, California, with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. And it was a significant investigation because of law enforcement involvement, but also because over three days, we had 51 men show up to have sex with a young teen boy or girl. One of the men who surfaced in that investigation was 49-year-old Dan Allen, who showed up to meet who he thought was a 13-year-old girl to get to know each other, make love, and do other things. Instead of that girl, Dan Allen met me, and we had a very high-charged, aggressive conversation. He wouldn't give it up. He wouldn't admit that he was doing anything wrong. Ultimately, he threatened one of my cameramen and wanted to talk to me off-camera. One of the interesting things about all these predator investigations and the predators who surface, I think, is the collateral damage. So often, these guys act without their family members knowing anything about this, anything about their secret lives or their activities. And this is the case with Dan Allen for the most part. And we are very blessed on this episode of Predators I've Caught to have Dan Allen's daughter, Daniela, who joins us now to talk about how she found out about this and to tell us more about the background, the very intriguing yet disturbing background of Dan Allen. Daniela, thanks so much for being part of this.
1: Not a bother. It's so good to speak to you.
0: Thank you so much. So take me back in time. Your mother was married to Dan Allen. How did that relationship come about? You and I have talked about this a little bit. And and I think it's it's fascinating because in hindsight, you see predatory behavior. How did they first meet? How did that all work?
1: So they first met in the late 1980s. I think it was one of my aunts who set them up on a date. But basically, my mom was in her late 20s, I think 28, 29, about my age. And she was recently divorced. Um, struggling financially. She had three kids under the age of 10. So her and Dan had a pretty quick relationship. He pretty much kind of love-bombed her, pressured her to get married really quick. Pressured
0: love-bombed her.
1: And, yeah. Which again was very intense. He whisked her away on a trip to Europe and was telling her he loved her so much and making so many promises. And yeah, just really came on hard. And they got married quickly. He was asking her to have a baby really quickly. But when they got married, kind of things, things went downhill very quickly. He started asserting kind of more and more control over her. He'd make comments about how she looked, how she did her hair, what she'd wear. Very controlling over her and my siblings and my mom having to interact with my sibling's dad, her ex-husband. So basically, yeah, his his behavior just became very aggressive and erratic. And looking back on it now, we know that this was due to drug and alcohol abuse.
0: What do you remember as a child about Dan Allen, your father?
1: So my mom was mentioned in the episode as being stalked and harassed, and that that went to court and everything. And it's as bad as you think it was. For the courts to be involved at that level and, and for him to get a, a felony charge for that, I remember the phone ringing constantly. I remember my mom looking out the windows. You know, I just I remember there's just a feeling of her being afraid and of her being very protective of us. And thank God she was. And and because of that, I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember things were erratic. And after the stalking charges, it all kind of stopped. We had protection orders. So he. He wasn't really able to contact us.
0: How old were you, Daniela, when your mother left Daniela?
1: A month after I was born, she kicked me out of the house, she said, this is too much. And then she started divorce proceedings when I was nine months old.
0: And during the stalking phase of this, what do you remember? What kinds of things would he do to your mother, potentially to Um, you and the other kids?
1: The calling all the time, he used the computer program. Um, He could make, I think, up to three or four phone calls a minute. My mom um, into the house. I remember that I was little. I had nowhere else to be. I was, you know, two, three, four years old when this was going on. He'd come into the house and move little bits of furniture. He once gave my mom a door alarm for her birthday. He left it wrapped up on the front porch with a note that kind of implied, you can try, but you won't be able to keep me out. He'd follow her around. He'd hang out around her house late at night, early in the morning.
0: Did you ever have contact with him after he and your mother got divorced? Did he ever reach out to you? Did you ever reach out to him to get to know him at any level?
1: No, I was legally adopted by my sibling's father when I was, I think, 11 or 12. And at that point, the courts ruled it was due to abandonment. He never tried to contact us, never paid child support. So I was pretty protected after that. When I was, I think about maybe 13 years old. So this would have been about a year before your predator thing. He got in contact with my mom and had said he wanted to meet me. I met him one day after school. That was pretty much it. He never. Describe really that meeting that us. day you met Dan. He's such a strange figure and kind of a very mysterious figure to us all. Very like a very secretive person. But he got in contact with my mom. I thought, you know, I'd like to meet her. I was already legally adopted at this point. He had no parental rights. They came to pick me up after school one day. And a little detail for the TCAP community. He had a wonderful car outside for him. It was a 2006 blue Mustang Cobra. They picked me up at school. You know, my mom was so proud of me. She's having me show him my report card. But it was very strange. It was like meeting a stranger. I, at that point, had been raised by another man. I had a completely different family. So yeah, that was the one time I would have seen him, and then the next time was on your show.
0: So you saw him in 2006 when he wanted to reach out and have some sort of connection with his biological daughter, you. A year before he surfaced in our predator investigation, you Mm -hmm. met him for the first time as a young lady.
1: As a teenager, yeah, and it, it was so unexpected. I, I didn't really have time to think about what, what I want to ask him. I don't think he really would have talked about it. My mom kind of brought it up to him, and he brushed it off and kind of acted like it wasn't a big deal. It's a really big deal to us. My mom was afraid. I was afraid. My siblings were afraid. It's not something we could have just gotten over. It seems that he kind of had that attitude And until he met you, even in your even in your um, interview with him, just there's no accountability, no, no willingness to accept that this is a bad situation, it's a bad thing you've done.
0: And we'll get into the details on that and how you find out he had surfaced in my investigation. But when you met him, Daniela, face to face as a teenager, did he strike you in any particular way? Was he on? What did he say? What did he want to know
1: from you? He kind of just took a back seat and let me show him, show him, you know, my report cards and show him what I'd been doing in school. But at that point, it had been so long and you can't really fit 13 years of a childhood into a two or three hour visit after school.
0: And that was it? You never heard from him again?
1: No, my mom did say they would exchanged phone numbers and he would kind of check in once in a while. And she did notice, man, he hasn't contacted me in a while, and she, she tried to ring the phone number, and it was out of service. And again, we later found out it was because he was in prison. He'd been caught by Riverside PD. How
0: did you first learn, Daniela, that your father, your biological father, had been caught in our predator investigation in Riverside County, California?
1: I found out, just like the rest of America found out, my older brother and his wife just happened to be watching Dateline that night. My older brother immediately recognized Dan, called the rest of our family. We rushed over to their house to watch and rewatch the segment. You know, at that time, everyone had TiVo. That was kind of a new technology, and we'd never been able to do that before to record and and rewatch and go back and over and over. So there was a lot of analysis in our home that night.
0: What's going on? Hi, just meeting a friend that I on the internet. And what was your impression when you saw your biological father, Danny Allen, being caught and confronted on To Catch a Predator?
1: I mean, obviously it's national television, so it was shocking enough for all of us, but I don't know that it was surprising. I always knew my mom had kept me protected from this person for a reason. She was always very protective of me, and so were my siblings, and so was my adopted father. The thing it was almost kind of indicating it was to see that, wow, other people can see this mightn't be a good person, and this person was capable of hurting people, and he did. He hurt my mom, and he hurt our family. So, yeah, it was kind of just affirmed. Why I had been kept away from him and why I had been protected, you know, from him for all those years.
0: You know, I always refer to people who are in the personal lives of these predators as, you know, collateral damage. I don't think explore this enough because it has impact, it shatters families. And now, again, Mm. you were estranged from your biological father, so you didn't have a lot of contact with him except that, you know, after school meeting and the, in the Mustang, but Mm -hmm. this has ramifications. It can shatter children, a spouse, an ex Definitely. Like I say, a a couple past experiences show that they're never 13. What was it like for you and your brother, his wife, and the rest of the family to actually watch this happen as he tried to explain his way out of trying to meet a 13-year-old girl and the graphic details that were involved? in his channel.
1: It was shocking, obviously. It was absolutely shocking. My mom and I have years of therapy under our belt from this. I haven't really spoken at length to my siblings about it, but I can just say for me myself, I worried in the moment as as a child, I worried, oh no, do I have monster DNA from this person? Is, is something defective with me? And I've spoken to my mom about it, and she struggled with how did I not see this? How could he have done this? Not only to me, how could he have done this shocking, but how could he have potentially done this to other people? And we believe that he hundred percent met other people online who said they were underage. So it was shocking. I look back on it now as an adult and I have so much sympathy for that fourteen year old girl. And of course I don't have monster skinning. I'm wonderful. My work is I work with children and I'd never do this to a child, I, you know, and i never, more importantly, too, I'd never do this to my family. I have so much love for, just love and respect for everyone that I know I'm not like Dan Allen.
0: You know, that brings up so many interesting questions, and I should say here that we're not getting into too much of Daniela's personal life for her privacy reasons, and obviously anybody listening can understand that, and we're very appreciative that, that you are are speaking out because I think it's a very healthy dialogue to have. I'm glad that you and your mother have had therapy because I think too many people try to deal with things like this on their own. And I Mm -hmm. don't think that's healthy based upon everything Mm -hmm. I've seen. at least. But I think it's interesting that you bring up your fear that maybe there was some DNA component that you could have inherited from your father who clearly had a, predisposition towards this sort of behavior. And here he was trying to find and have a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old girl. And you're basically the same age when this happens.
1: Yeah. And you know what? He even says that in the chat. He says, I have a daughter. I think he said I was 14 or 15, maybe, or 15 or 16. I think it's a very natural fear. I know now it's a very natural fear that children of sexual predators or than children of People who have committed crimes worry that there might be something wrong with them, that they might have inherited something. And again, I've I've done a lot of work just reparenting my inner child and assuring myself, oh, there's nothing wrong with you.
0: How important has therapy been, Daniela, to you and, and to your mother?
1: So important. I think it's really important to talk to it. These are very heavy things that happen to us. And of course, you need help guiding yourself through that. I'm big a big supporter of talking about it and being open about it mental health so important
0: and how is your mother doing today?
1: She is fantastic. she's really, really made up for it. She's a wonderful mom. I was married last year. Um, I live abroad now, but she took three flights to get there to make it for my wedding. yeah, she's wonderful. she's been a wonderful, wonderful mom.
0: Let's talk for a a minute, Daniela, about what you've learned about your father since his appearance in our predator investigation, since those criminal charges, there have been other allegations that have surfaced.
1: So just in my own research, obviously, I'm, you know, like Dan, I'm curious, curiosity is what's gotten me. Yeah. And I get into these wormholes where I'll be on YouTube and I'll read the comments of some of the teacap videos, not just Dan's, but all of them, But in watching his, I found comments of people who have Dan Allen stories. For example, one, and I've actually spoken to this woman, and enough of the details check out to where I believe her. She basically said in the 90s, so again, about the time this would have been going on with my mom and the custody and the stalking, he was banned from coming to a stable for inappropriate interactions with young girls. And then another YouTube comment about a woman saying that she would have been one of the first people he met from Yahoo Messenger and that like all these wow. crazy things, she was his mess dealer and, you know, just again, w- weird allegations, but there's enough truth in them that I believe. Um, yeah, just a history of predatory behavior, and I'm so happy. I'm so grateful that my mom got us out of there and, and she protected
0: us. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. In my confrontation with him in the interview, he's pretty aggressive. He claims he had done nothing wrong. And again, you know, you've seen this, Danielle, I've got the transcripts yeah. right there. I know the specific, uh, very graphic details, and I don't need to drag you through all of those. You're aware of them already, and as are most of our listeners. but. He just wouldn't give it up. He admits at one point that he sees how this looks, but he claims that he was just there to, you know, care for the 13 year old girl named Sammy, or that's what the decoy's mm-hmm. name was, and that he wasn't actually going to go through with any sexual act. But we know from some of the people who've reached out in the TCAP community, some people with whom you've spoken, that He had these discussions and became angry with other young girls, underage Mm -hmm. girls before, that they wouldn't participate in sexual activity with him. Mm -hmm. And so you have to wonder what else he had done prior to this.
1: Yeah, I I wonder that all the time. And that's the hard thing. And that's, again, going back to therapy, that's something that therapy can really help with. Sometimes we don't know the answers. But I do, I I think about it often, um, and my heart goes out to anyone that he might have hurt. You know, I read these weird YouTube comments, and I do think, wow, I hope she's okay.
0: He at one point threatened my cameraman that he was going to shove his camera down his throat. I'll shove that camera down his throat. I don't think you're going to want to do that. Why is that? Then he wants to talk to me off camera, which obviously I don't do. Can I talk to you outside? You can say whatever you want to say. Well, I mean, I obviously want to say something off camera. Well, I can't have the cameras turned off at this parents. But he displays what is a propensity for potential violence in that interview. And now learning what he had done to your mom and the threats he had made to the whole family, mm-hmm. that could have been a potentially volatile situation, I think.
1: Yeah, very volatile. I mentioned a few in our other shots. he did get physical with my mom once, and that was kind of one of the final straws for her in their marriage.
0: Now, he actually was sentenced to you know, a fairly lengthy prison term after he was arrested uh, by Riverside County Sheriff's. And part of the reason was his history of mm-hmm. stalking and domestic abuse in the case of your mother. We didn't know that at the time. But that's exactly what elevated his sentence to ultimately what he got, which was three years. And then he had to register as a sex offender and be on probation. Mm -hmm. He died in 2009. Do you have any insight into what happened to him?
1: Obviously, for a lot of reasons, we weren't keeping in contact with him. But yeah, I think from what I know, I think he was out of prison, but I think it was just a few days after he was released.
0: And when you were with him, for that short period of time that day after school. Did he tell you about anything he was doing work-wise? He represented to us that he was a import-export dealer, that he had uh, some interaction as a computer guy selling and buying things um, from the Philippines, as I recall.
1: you know what? I think he had a lot of stories to tell about himself and what he was doing. To our knowledge, he was selling stuff on eBay and buying and selling antiques. I don't know anything about importing exporting in the Philippines.
0: (laughs) Exactly. How has it been for you after the fact to sort of, I don't know, step into this TCAP community as someone who is the daughter, the biological daughter of one of the guys caught? You've read into it. You have followed it. You've had contact with some other people.
1: What has that Mm -hmm. been like for you? You know what? It's actually been really empowering. It has been 15 years. I was a little girl when those things happened. And looking at things with my adult eyes, it looks a lot different and where I used to feel a lot of shame about it. I look at it now and I'm so far removed from it. And part of kind of engaging in the community is reclaiming my power in a weird way if that makes sense no it makes total sense the story's always been about dan allen it hasn't been about me and how resilient i've been it hasn't been about my great mom who really stood up to the challenge it hasn't been about my adoptive dad who loved me just as much as if i was biologically his the same thing with my siblings So again even talking to you it's It's a way for me to kind of highlight these people that get forgotten, that really do step up when other people don't.
0: You know, my heart goes out to you for having to go through all this. I think you've obviously come out very healthy on the other side and have it all in, in proper perspective. But your mom, what a tough situation. All this woman was looking for was the love of a good man and support and to continue her life. And this is what she got. And there's a lesson in there, I think. What does your mom tell you about this? I mean, you had to talk to her uh, about this and sort of not get her permission. You're a grown woman, but you know, you're not going to do this interview without letting your mom know. What was that conversation like?
1: My mom is supportive of me 100%. I'm supportive of her 100% we've had to be you know, obviously it's hard. She thinks about it a lot, similar to me of wow, this was my spouse that did these things. So obviously it's difficult, but you do move on. Like I have a big full life. My siblings have a big full lives. There's lots of grandkids. So while it's something really kind of weird and surreal that happened to us, we've been careful not to let it define us. Like we've made a a really wonderful family. It mightn't be a traditional family. What a really wonderful family from it. Well,
0: it's not like this just happened yeah. to your biological father, your mother's mm-hmm. uh, ex husband. It happened on television in a very high profile investigation. And so it continues 15 years after Dan Allen surfaced in our predator investigation. It continues to be the topic of discussion. And that's why we're talking about it right here on this podcast. Because he is one of the most notorious predators I've caught, and people want to know about these guys. Mm-hmm. They've become somewhat criminal celebrities in this whole yeah. culture of following the the predator investigations. Uh, I sometimes am blown away by the level of interest around the world, and that's part of the reason why we do this podcast in how it went down behind the scenes. You know, in in fact, in Riverside County, for instance, with 51 guys showing up in three days, when that particular investigation aired, you know, we didn't have time to delve into each individual predator mm-hmm. in its own episode. They were part of a larger episode, but each one has a very shocking, disturbing, but important story from a lesson learning standpoint to share with people. And, and I can't thank you enough for being part of this. And sharing your experience here. And and it is part of the collateral damage. Have you seen other episodes that strike you in one way or another, or where you see similarities between your biological father, Dan Allen, and other predators?
1: I've watched them all, of course. I love all the work that everyone on YouTube has been doing. I obviously feel for the predators who have children, Um, especially like my case is different. I saw the episode and I went home and I still had a dad. I know that's not the case for a lot of children of predators who are caught on your show, right? I feel for their families, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I feel for the children. I recently watched an episode, I'm not sure which predator it was, but you interviewed one of his past victims. And that's one that really gave me a lot of strength um, at the time watching it.
0: He was another predator, I believe, in the Riverside investigation where your mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. biological father was caught and he had been caught twice before, once up in Alaska for sexually assaulting children. In one case, the children of the woman with whom he was living. And yeah. because of that, he received a much stiffer sentence than the other predators. He got 24 years in prison, I believe, and, and an mm-hmm. older fellow, about 67 years old, I remember creeping in through that the back patio door, but the mother of uh, one of his uh, survivors did speak out in that episode and it was, it was brave, it was chilling to know that this mm-hmm. fellow could hide in plain sight just like your biological father did. Yeah, But I guess the lesson there is that, you know, when you ask, what do you think all these guys have in common? Typically, my answer is they don't stand out of a crowd. I mean, yeah, in in the case of Dan Allen, there were some creepy things. He wasn't the normal average guy, just happened to make a mistake one day. I mean, there was a history there, and he obviously had a pattern of behavior. But what do you say to other relatives, children, spouses of the almost 400 men who've been caught in these investigations? What do you tell them generally to help them get through this?
1: I would just... Advise them to have a lot of self compassion and to know that these crimes that their family member might have committed have nothing to do with them as people, with them, with them at all, really. And it's always going to get better. I know things like this can be so jarring in the moment, and it was really jarring for me when I was 14. At times at 29, it's still really jarring for me now, but I always feel better when I talk about it, when I focus on self-care and taking care of a noggin.
0: Exactly. And the therapy part, I can't stress that enough to people in all of these investigations we do that therapy is very, very Mm -hmm. important. Is there anything else that you want people to know about your experience with this or your mother's experience with it? And is there anything in this age of you know, so much internet dating and people meeting online and it's become absolutely socially acceptable and and especially in a pandemic, one of the only real ways that people are having, in some cases, any social interaction. What precautions, as somebody who's watched this happen in their own family, basically, what do you say to people who are Uh, out um,
1: there? Always, always be mindful of what your kids, are doing. I know there's a lot of different great apps for monitoring what kids do online. There's apps that can kind of monitor even keywords. Yeah, just always be watchful. My mom was always very watchful. And for a while, I thought, oh, it was just because of the stalking, it was just because of the dateline thing. And I realized now she was watchful because parents have to be watchful, not just for those reasons, but for all the reasons a parent's worried about you know, a young kid. So yeah, parents should always use their judgment. Kids are only kids for a short while, and they really do need to be protected.
0: And you work in childcare.
1: I do. You yeah, see this
0: on the front lines.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I was a nanny for years, getting through school, and I know all about all the different apps. And I advise parents: get on TikTok, get on Instagram. The more you know about the apps that your kids are using, the easier it's going to be for you to monitor them and keep them safe.
0: And think about this. When we did the investigation where Dan Allen surfaced, we merely had decoys in chat rooms on AOL and Yahoo. And today, 15 years later, there's been an explosion of social media platforms upon which Mm. children spend their hours and can potentially be approached by people like Dan Allen. Do you tell people in your day-to-day life about this or is this something you keep for conversations like this where you have some sort of anonymity, I guess, if you will?
1: I would keep it to, to anonymity. Again, there's so much social stigma around sexual predators and families oftentimes receive a lot of shame and stigma because of actions their family members took that have nothing to do with them. I was raised by my adoptive dad. My older half-siblings was raised as their full sibling. No one in my everyday life growing up knew that we were only half-related biologically. And it felt really real. As I said, my, my mom and my adoptive dad worked hard to make us feel like a family, and we did.
0: You know, it's chilling to think back and consider what could have happened had your mother not been brave enough and strong enough to get away from Dan Allen. The results here could have been so tragic.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: God bless her for being strong. Yeah. We will keep in touch as Mm -hmm. we move forward in this podcast, because I think it's critical for people who have suffered this collateral damage to have a place where it's safe to talk about their experiences. And I definitely want this podcast going forward to be that place. And so I thank you for trusting and and for being a part of this, for sharing your experience, because I think it's good for everyone. And I especially think that it's important when it comes to the whole notion of getting therapy. It's Mm -hmm. so critical. And I think it's an important step. So I want to thank you, Daniela, for being a part of this, for joining me. We will keep in touch. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you can join us again on another episode of Predators I've Caught.